today is prayer Sunday. Are you ready for action? Yeah, well, that's all right then. Because you know, we all know this, we're in a spiritual battle. And prayer is part of that spiritual battle. God is at work getting, doing things. People are being saved and, and healed in various towns. But we know the devil's at work as well. We can sort of think about the terrorism that we know about, the political uncertainty in Grenville Tower. And we can think, well, maybe the devil wants to use that to create uncertainty and distrust and division, fear, anxiety. He wants us to think that God isn't sovereign. What a load of rubbish. But we're here to praise God. And we're here to learn and to be equipped and to be enthusiastic disciples of Jesus, aren't we? And as people get saved in this area and join our church, so we can do spiritual cartwheels if you can't do physical ones. I can't do spiritual I can't do physical cartwheels. Some of you maybe can, but I can definitely do. Yippee, God! Someone's been saved. Thank you, Lord. Often, when we sort of think about praying, we think about praying for other people. And that's really good. What we're thinking about today is this. Prayer is more important than ever. If we've prayed a lot over the years, if we've been a Christian a long time, today... This week, next week, is the time to pray more. But anyway, we are going to pray for ourselves. Hey, some famous people on the screen there from last night. What a good time we had. Yeah, it was lovely. So, we are going to pray for ourselves. Later on, we'll be praying for ourselves, but also we'll be praying for some of these other things that I've mentioned as well about the tower and terrorism, uncertainty, things like that. So, thank you. So, what we want to do is think about ourselves. We're going to concentrate on that, mainly. But before we do that, I want to just encourage you with a few ideas about prayer. Here's three thoughts. We want the faith to believe. We want faith to endure. And we want an attitude of yes. To say, yes, God, no matter what happens in my life, in this situation, I'm going to say yes to you. We want the faith to believe. Just a few thoughts about that. What is God saying to you? It's a rhetorical question. You don't need to tell me. But I know and you know that God often speaks through the Bible. So as we read the Bible a lot, so we can expect God to talk to us. He speaks in other ways as well, but mainly through the Bible. As we read the Bible a lot, we can get excited and enthused and energised as God directs us and helps us as we read the Bible a lot. Faith to endure then. So when they go and get tough, the tough don't get going. The tough stay where they are. And the tough say, yes, Lord, in this circumstance, we're going to say yes to you. There's lots of examples about all of those things in the Bible, and we'll touch on some of them today. Maybe you remember what happened to Joshua when he was near his lo- the end of his life, he was the one who took over from Moses, yeah. So Moses was the one who sort of, by God, sort of led people through the desert, but then Joshua took him over to the Jordan and into the Promised Land. And as he was nearing his end of his life, in Joshua 24, 14 and 15, he said this to Israel, 
This is Joshua 24. And all these notes, remember, are on our website already, so you can always look at them there. This is Joshua speaking. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. So he's making a good choice there, but he says something really important. He says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We're not interested in all these other gods, things that we know about. We're interested in serving the Lord and the Lord alone. Like I say, there's lots of examples where people have said similar things. How about Paul of Tarsus in 2 Corinthians chapter 11? He gives a long list of all the things, well, some of the things he went through. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, it says some of these things. I'm looking at 21 to 31. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have laboured and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. So despite all these things, he was saying, yes God, in a shipwreck, shipwreck number one, I'm still going to follow you. Shipwreck number two. That doesn't change anything. I've still got the power to endure. Shipwreck number three. Does this make any difference? I'm still going to follow Jesus and praise him for what he's done in my life. And so what we're wanting is an attitude of saying yes to God as he speaks to us. And say, yes, Lord. We're hearing David last night, if you were here, say that he heard God say, serve me for five years in missionary work, and then let's see what happens after that. Has God said that to us, to you? Serve me in this way, serve me in that way. What an encouragement if we can say, yes, Lord, I'm going to obey what you say, in prayer, in action, in giving. Lord, I obey, because you're the only way. Paul was talking about Peter that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And maybe some of you 
uh, picked up one of these this morning. They're right on the, uh, in the foyer by the um, newsletters. If you haven't had one and you want to, it's just a, a Bible reading plan for the next seven or eight weeks or so, so we can get a lot out of reading 1 Peter and 2 Peter and just think about everything that Peter went through and what he was like. He had ups and downs, but he had the power to endure and say, in the end, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're on the water, call my name. I'm going to go on the water and follow you. If it means uh, I need to be crucified, I'm going to be crucified. If you're calling me to die for you, Lord, I'm going to die for you. That's what we'll be looking at next week and in the next few weeks, the life of Peter and what he was thinking about. It might be over this week and last week, you've looked at the Onward newsletter, and if so, you might have seen this. And you might have thought, what's that about then? It's on one of the latter pages, if you've seen it, sort of uh, the other way around. Sacrifice, why and how? And the brilliant thing about doing the newsletter is, if there's space, you can put lots of things in that you want to put in. There's often space because not so many people want to put things in. But I've always got ideas, but you're always welcome to put some ideas in too, of course. But this idea is to do with today and the next few weeks as we think about Peter. We might be thinking, yes, it was Jesus who sacrificed himself, coming to earth, teaching us, doing miracles, dying, resurrecting, being ascended. But really, this sacrifice is us. The sacrifice we can make towards God, perhaps a sacrifice we should make towards God, to say, Lord, I hear you, I'm going to follow what you say, even when life is difficult, I'm not going to water down the things you asked me to do, but I'm going to take it as you say it and follow you. So what does God ask us to do? If God is asking us to be a sacrifice as we pray and do other things, I've got three Uh, three passages that we can think about and probably all of them you've read in the past so there's nothing new that I'm saying today all we're trying to do is just go over old ground just remind ourselves to be encouraged by what's going on because don't we all need encouragement I know I do it's great Romans 12 1 and 2 therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice I don't like that adjective very much, do you? A living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing and perfect will. God's not calling us, hopefully today you don't think this, to be frantic when we're praying to sort of be saying, oh God, I must pray about this, now I must pray about that, there's so many things I need to pray about, oh I've got to pray, I've got to pray, oh I've got to do this, I've got to go there. God's calling us to rest in him. God's calling us to know that he's in charge and we can rest. Yes, he's calling us to pray, he's calling us to do things for him, but perhaps he's not calling us to more activity, perhaps he's calling us to trust in him more, to listen to him more, and then obey. Micah 6 8, it says this in Amplified Version He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, 
except to be just and to love and to diligently practice kindness and compassion and to walk humbly with your God, setting aside any overblown sense of importance or self-righteousness. Philippians. Again, I read this passage a lot, but it was God just reminded me something about it. I just thought, oh yeah, of course, when I was reading it this week. So Philippians chapter 2. I'll read verses 6 to 11. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it really makes you feel good reading that, that Jesus' sacrifice, like we were talking about earlier, is so massive, so world-changing, that all we can do is worship him. But I missed something very important out. Comma, verse 5. So verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God. So as we sort of, in our relationships... Remember what Jesus did to take away what's all the glory and come to earth. So maybe God calls us to do that, to be the living sacrifice. In your relationships, one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's what the NIV says. The contemporary English version, and think the same way that Christ Jesus thought. In the Amplified, let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. In Holman's Christian, this is the one that made me really stick up, stand up and think. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. So, as we're thinking, Jesus was a sacrifice, and yes, he died for us. So Paul is saying, now do it yourself. Make it your attitude. Don't just celebrate what Jesus has done for us, but live your life the Jesus way. And that's what we're thinking about today, saying, yes, Lord, I want to live my life your way. To think about what you've done and follow it with a yes. Some of you may know this about me already. I really enjoy looking at maps. Any maps. Old maps, new maps, maps of the tube, like, oh, how they're going to change that for the Elizabeth line? Oh, I'm so excited to see that. How they're going to sort of when they change maps because they've got a new road junction, or they've got a bypass they've built, or maybe they've dis- they've changed the name from Peking to Beijing and things like that. You know, maps change, don't they? I love it. I wonder what my the map of my life would look like. What would I like it to look like? Because we're going to have a map of our life, not just a physical map of travelling somewhere, what would I like the map of my life to look like? Here's another question. What will it really look like eventually? I'll show you the map of my life that I'd like it to be. 
I'd like to be born, and then go straight line, everything's nice and easy, hip hip hooray, and then I die. Oh, that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? It's not happening like that, though. I can see it on your faces, you think, even from day two or day one, your life wasn't a straight line from, yay, everything's rosy and everything's lovely. It wasn't like that at all. This, I think, is what my life is like at the moment. What do you think? Is that more like it? So, I've done the same line, born to die, as dotted line, but I went born to an event, in a bit of a squiggle, and then I went to another event, then on black went to another event, light blue, oh, I've gone back to the same event. I couldn't have learnt very well the first time I went there. And then I carry on to another one, oh, I'm getting close to death there, but then it changes and I carry on, and then another one and go into blue again, so something similar, something green and squiggly, and then it's the end of my life. Maybe that's our life, is it? It's not easy. We don't know what's round the next bend. We don't know what's coming. It's a bit of a curve, isn't it, as we're sort of going round in life. And I'm finding, and maybe you found the same, that faith is taking the first step before God reveals what the second, second step is. God says, step out. And so you say, okay, God, I'm stepping out. And you walk through life, and life's all right, and you just ooh, go for a bit of a curve. And then you think, oh, I've just got a bit of a limp here now. I'm just going to sit near here. Just near, oh. oh, life's a bit hard. So you just have a bit of a rest. And then you sort of wander around a bit again. Still got your limp. Life's still a bit hard. Oh, crikey, I need another sit down here. And life can be a bit like that, can't it? Where we're just going around these different events, not really sure about what's going on, but one thing goes to another, and then you sort of carry on a bit more, and life seems to be like that. How we're just wandering around, and life can get tricky, so we have a bit of a rest, and then we go to another event. Unexpected things can happen in our lives. I read a quote this week. I'm going to look at your eyes as I sort of show it you. Here it is. Faith is trusting God's heart even when you can't see God's hand. That, I did a spiritual cartwheel when I did that. When I read this, I was thinking, yes, Lord, your hand I know is with me. But from reading the Bible and from listening to what other people say, I know what your heart is for me. I might limp around sometimes. I might need to sit down or lie down. But I know what God's heart is for me. So as I pray, and as we pray later, I know God's heart. I might not always see God's hand in my life, directly, easily, confidently, but I know God's heart. And that's a real encouragement. By the way, this gentleman who said this, Mark Batterson, he's the pastor of the National Community Church in Washington, D.C. I've got another scripture I want to read. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the only thing I can say about that is, go for it, Paul! Do we always say that sort of thing? Can we spur Paul on this week? We might pray for him, but maybe you could tell him. We could say, yes, Paul, go for it. Do what God's saying you to do this week. We're praying for you. And Lynn as well. But how much better, instead of just keeping it to yourself and praying for him, if you send them a text, Paul, you were on my mind this week. Today, I prayed for you, and this is the scripture that God gave me. How much more would Paul be encouraged if we said what God had said to us, just an easy text or an email or a smile, rather than just keeping it to ourselves and saying, oh Lord, thank you for telling me to pray for Paul, bless him. But maybe God wants to be blessing Paul, or any of us, I just picked Paul because I knew I was going to be here today, I could have put everyone's name here quite easily, maybe God wants to bless us all, not just in our silent sort of prayer room or cubicle or on your bed or in a chair or walking down the road. But maybe God wants to bless people because we say to them, God, encourage me to pray for you this week. Be a blessing to others because God's really blessed me through you. So we can encourage Paul this week, can't we? And we can encourage each other. And just by saying, I've been praying for you, how can I pray for you more? And we might talk about that in a few more minutes. Here's three more scriptures that are quite similar. So, Hebrews 10, yes, let's encourage people. Maybe these are ways of encouraging people. Do you remember the story of Elijah? He'd been on Mount Carmel, and all fire from heaven, the Baal prophets being killed and everything. Just remind me, in 1 Kings 19, what happened next? He ran away. Oh, why did he run run? Why did he run away? Oh, my grammar is totally awful, isn't it? Why did he run away? Right. So after all these massive things that had happened, and amazing things were seen, and God was definitely there, he ran away. I'm going to read a little bit of it. I'm going to read sort of some of what it's saying there. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid, as we heard. And wouldn't we be afraid? I think so. And ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water, He ate and drank 
and then lay down again. This is a verse I love. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. And maybe in our lives, like I was walking around, limping, sitting down, maybe in our lives today, our journey is too much for us. We've had enough. It's too tricky. It's too hard. But that's where we come in. Because we're not on our own. We're here to love each other and to encourage each other. And you can look at these other verses as well if you want to. Acts 2, 42 to 47, Colossians 3, 23, 24. They're all encouraging things for us to give, to do. And you might say to yourself, well, John, you don't know me. I haven't got a lot to give. I can't do those things. I'm not an encouraging person. I like to keep myself to myself, actually. There's not a lot I could do, even if you asked me to, even if you press-gang me to do things. I couldn't do it. Jesus saw someone very important. It was a widow. This is in Luke chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, you know the story, because this isn't what is what I thought of, Luke 12, so it's probably around there somewhere, but that's not what I was thinking of. I was thinking about the widow who gave a little bit, and there was all these people at the temple, and people giving, uh, you can imagine in today's sort of culture, sort of putting their credit card and say, yes, put £50 for God on my credit card, please. And another person saying, yes, so I'm going to give in cash uh, £100 a month. And all this woman did was give a few pennies. But it was everything she had. And Jesus is saying to us now, even if you haven't got very much that you think, give it all. Don't just think it's the people with everything, what with big things that have to give. Even the people like that widow who gave just a little bit had a lot to give. And she gave it all. And Jesus remarked on it to his disciples, saying, look at her, she's a great example to all of us. We can encourage each other. Over the last few months, when I've been getting ready for this Elim sort of uh, ministering training business, and... Ah, was it? Right, okay, thank you. So that was Luke 21... Yes, that's the one, isn't it? So Luke 21. Do your fingers, when you're typing, go faster than your brain can work sometimes? Because it's obviously happened then, because I put 12 here instead of 21. So this is what it is. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting in two very small copper coins. This is Jesus speaking. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So God is encouraging us. If we've got a little, be generous. Give it. Give your time. Give your gifts. Give what you have. Because that's what God's calling us to do, to be living sacrifices. 
Thank you. So, coming back, when people were sort of, when I was doing this healing thing, odd, sort of the odd person here or there, a few people really, would come up to me and say, how are you getting on, John? How are you getting on? You've you got a bit much more to do? What's going on? And then, once I'd put the application in, for a few weeks, people would be saying, have you heard from them yet? What's going on? Have they sent a reply yet? Do you know how much that encouraged me? A lot. It was brilliant, because I'm a very happy kind of person anyway, but that made me seven foot tall. I felt really great about it because people were concerned about me and they showed it. it made me feel great. When did you last feel great? Because someone gave some good comments to you. Maybe just five words or four words. Maybe a couple of sentences. Maybe we can do that to other people. Just encourage them. I know when I go to Asda or wherever, I try and have a chat to the cashier. And sometimes they don't want to know, but sometimes they're quite interested in, you sort of just have a bit of a chat with them because that must be quite a boring job. Zing, zing, that'd be £5.68, please. Zing, zing, and all that. So I try and just make them a bit happier and sort of give them a bit of eye contact. We could all do that, couldn't we? We could encourage people a lot. Sometimes, you know, just listening to people can be a real encouragement. I know it's a gift I want. I want a gift of being a good listener, more than I've got. Because it shows that you're concerned about someone if you're listening to them. Because I know how often it works, while someone's talking, you're thinking, what can I say in response to that? That'll make me look clever, or make me look good, or make me look something or other. Whereas maybe they want to say something, and all they want you to do is listen. Windsor Davis had a great gift in a, in a half-hot mom. Do you remember his catchphrase? He'd say, shut up! And sometimes I think God says that to me. Shut up. Listen to that person. Listen to me. You don't need to keep talking all the time. Or even a little bit. Just listen and smile and look at them. That can be a big encouragement. You know, we were talking earlier about life being tricky. But our life isn't like I portrayed earlier, was it? It's not like just walking around and everything's great and everything's easy. It's a lot more complicated than that. And for that, it's a lot better. Because we might be limping around a little bit and sometimes then you'll have to sit down but you don't sit down on your own. You're sitting next to someone. And then they're going to talk to you and say, how are you doing? How are you doing? Not so well, really. I'm listening. <laughs> She's listening. Oh, that's good. So, so she could then, in my journey, help me. Because I've been limping. And so I'm finding it a bit tricky to move along. I'm going down this way. Okay. <laughs> and so... I'm now I'm being helped. I'm not doing the journey on my own. Oh, it's great to have support, to feel that someone's with you. But then you feel that someone else is needing a bit of help. So we just go over to this person and say, how you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. Don't make something up, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very well at all. Oh, I'm not very well at all. How can we help you, Paul? 
Have you got ten minutes and I'll sit down? Yes, we have got ten minutes, haven't we, everyone? Yeah. So then we listened to Paul. And so I was wanting help from Jill, and she was helping me with my limping. But then we want to help Paul. And now we're going to help Paul just going around. And we're encouraging Paul because we're saying, do you know, this week, God bless me for what you said. I never knew you had that thing going on when you were younger. And when you spoke about it at church the other week, I thought, wow, that was just how I was when I was younger. And then Paul feels so much better because we've listened to what he said in his sermon. And we can just say, oh, brilliant, that's amazing. But then we notice that someone else is just near us. Can you see what's going to happen? We're not going to keep doing this is the last person. But then we see John is sort of, sort of thinking, oh, yes. Can you see what John's like? John, how are you doing? I had a shock this week. And it took the wind out of my sails a bit. Oh, right. So then Paul might say something encouraging. He might. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it, John? Sometime. Sometime. <laughs> so, can we pray for you now? So, can we pray about it? <laughs> yes. Good. Thank you. And we'll pray. Go for it. Right, Father, we just thank you for John. We thank you for the gifts you've got, given him, but at the moment he's got a little problem, Father, and uh, you know about it. We don't necessarily need to know about it, but you are all hearing and all seeing and you know. So, Father, we just ask you to bless John, to be with him in his difficulty, to help him through it, Father, to show him the way out of it, and to just help him to come to a place where he knows that you are in this with him and that you will take care of him. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 That's brilliant. Thank you very much. You can sit down. That's it. And that's an encouragement then, isn't it? Because as we go through our journey, so we're listening to other people. We're not isolated. We're not on our own. We're not limping on our own. We've got friends. We've got relatives. We have people who love us, that want to help us. And all we have to do is open our mouth, give them time and say, I want to listen to you. I want to see if I can be a blessing to you. So as our lives go in different ways, we can impact other people because our lives intersect other people. Really important. When I was younger, I used to watch a television programme. You might have watched it as well. Did you ever watch Name That Tune? Brilliant. It was Tom O'Connor. I'm going to play four notes. If you can tell me what it's called, there is no prize, just adulation from other people who didn't know it. Okay, so do you know what this piece of music is called? Anyone want to tell me? Okay, I'm going to play two hands, right? That's going to make it easier, and a little bit more, and then you can tell me what it's called, I'm sure. what it's from and it's called I, had a dream. I dreamed a dream yeah 
Yeah. I have a dream. Is Abba? Yeah. Okay. A different sort of song that is, but Abba's brilliant as well. Let me read some of the words to you. This is Fontaine. So if you've either seen the musical or seen it on television, it's a really sad part of the sort of musical. I dreamed a dream in times gone by when hope was high and life worth living. I dreamed that love would never die. I dreamed that God would be forgiving. Then I was young and unafraid and dreams were made and used and wasted. There was no ransom to be paid, no song and sung, no wine and tasted. But the tigers came at night with their voices soft as thunder as they tear your hope apart, as they turn your dream to shame. I had a dream my life would be so different from this hell I'm living. So different now from what it seemed, now life has killed the dream I dreamed. I want to suggest something to you today. Keep on dreaming. We're here to help each other. We're here to pray for each other. To live life together. Don't let your dreams die. Maybe you had dreams from months ago or years ago. You've put them on a shelf. They're not going to happen. I can't believe that'll be true. God, why did you tell me that in the first place? Surely, God, it wasn't you. But don't let your dreams die. God speaks to us, and sometimes he surprises us by what he says. Sometimes the things he says, we just think, wow, can that ever be true? And yet as we read the Bible, we see so many times the things that God does is to amaze the people, to do things that they just wouldn't have expected. So maybe this week we can be thinking to ourselves, yes, I'm going to be praying for those people that have told me in the past about their dreams, but now just don't want to think about it anymore. It's too painful. There's some rubbish that people say. Some people say you should stand on your own two feet. Total nonsense, isn't it? We shouldn't stand on our own two feet at all. We're here, we're a family. We can't live our lives as individuals. We shouldn't. Remember how Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's in Matthew 26, he didn't go on his own. He had some friends that went with him. He knew what was coming, and yet he wasn't on his own. He went with his friends. Now, of course, his friends went to sleep and that, but he brought them along. He's in a circle. C.H. Spurgeon said, memory is an aid to faith. As we remember what we've read in the Bible in the past, so God's going to help us to pray for each other today. God wants to give us a light bulb moment, a Rima moment, a now moment, 
When he says, do you remember what I said to you those months ago? Think about it again. Think about it because I'm the God who loves you. God reminds us of good things that he's done. But we know life is complicated, all these different things that happen in our lives. And like we said right at the start, the devil aims to make us think that God is not sovereign. That he's kind of rushing around heaven saying, angels, what shall I do? Cherubim, seraphim, what's going on? Oh, oh my goodness, oh dear, oh dear. That's total nonsense as well, isn't it? God is still on his throne. God is on his throne. It doesn't matter about the situation in our lives or the situation in the Central African Republic that isn't so good at the moment or the situation in this country or in any country. God is on his throne. And as we pray, which we're going to do very soon, we're going to be saying, Lord, thank you, you are on your throne. Lord, thank you for the dreams you've given me. You're on your throne. Thank you, Lord, for all the good things that you do through us. You're on your throne. Thank you for my friends and family. You're on your throne. God is sovereign, and that is why we can have faith to believe, faith to endure, and an attitude of yes to God, no matter what. Here's the last thing. Oh, I love it when the children come in, because that's the thumbs up for, let's get on with something else. So, we're going to get on with something else. There's plenty of resources we can think about with prayer. They're all on the website. All of these different things, yeah, so there's all on the website. You can look at different sites that are going to encourage us to pray. And that's what we're going to do a lot for the next 35, 40 minutes or so. As we come together, we can remember some of the things we've talked about and listened to this morning. And remember, God is on his throne. God is with us and he is for us. So let's pray just now and I'm going to sing a song and I'm going to get on with some praying together out loud and in our hearts as well. Lord, thank you that you are amazing. Thank you, Lord, that you have created us as a family so that as we walk through life with our limps and with our needing to sit down and our inactivity sometimes, Lord, you get people to come around us and love us and help us to carry on and then you help us to be an encouragement to other people. So this week, Lord, we ask that you will help us to be encouraging to the people that we meet and even the people we haven't seen for ages. Help us to send a text or an email or something just to say, I was praying for you today. Help us to encourage others Help us to be that family of God that you've called us to be. Amen.